We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC. Choose UPMC for your family's health care needs close to home. Visit UPMC.com slash Central PA for a complete list of services and locations. What are Pennsylvanians thinking about issues like the economy, abortion, and legalization of marijuana? Polls from Franklin and Marshall College several times a year help to crystallize opinions on those issues and what voters are saying about candidates for office. The February 2024 poll released late last week shows voters are still pessimistic about the economy and the direction of the state maybe a little more positive than just a few months ago. With us on The Spark today to break down the numbers and what they mean is Burwood Yost, director of the Floyd Institute for Public Policy at the Center for Opinion Research at FNM. Burwood Yost, welcome to the program. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So let's get right into it. Almost half the registered voters you surveyed said the state is heading in the wrong direction. Now, that's fewer people than said that in your poll in October. So is this a glass half-empty, half-full kind of situation? They're still optimistic, but less pessimistic. Yeah, that's how I characterized it in the summary we wrote. Um, You know, the the number who said the state's off on the wrong track went from 55% to 48% which is an improvement, still kind of negative. Actually, the number of people who said they weren't sure went up from 10 to 15% as well. So, you know, maybe we're, as national surveys have shown in a transition period where the news is getting better, and maybe those kinds of things are catching up to how people feel or people are rethinking their feelings. Um, you know, the other thing that goes along with that too, and we'll talk about sort of the most important problem question is the number of people who say that the biggest problem facing the state is government and politicians tick down a little bit. Um, And I, you know, I, that has to relate in some ways to how they feel about the direction of the state. Um, But a bigger part of that is definitely how they feel about the economy and their personal financial circumstances. You know, that government question always, when I say question, or the answer to the question, the biggest problem, and the answer comes back as government or politicians. That one has always perplexed me. Is to, Okay, what do the voters mean? Do they just have a negative opinion of politicians, of the government? Yeah, that, that's what it means. They're not happy with the way the government doesn't work. Um, a lot of people would like to see government solve problems with less uh, polarization and animosity. Um, and that's why those numbers went up. Um, and whenever there's conflict between the parties, like during a budget stalemate or things like that, you see those numbers increase. Um, but that was virtually, you know, prior to the 1990s, that was virtually uh, never mentioned as a problem. But it has been 
um, in recent, you know, in, a, in about the last decade or so, it started becoming a problem. And ever since the Tea Party has increased as a major concern. Mm. But the economy is still rated as the most important issue to Pennsylvania registered voters. What did you find out? Well, you know, Scott, it's it's interesting because uh, we still see about a quarter of voters say that's the biggest problem. Um, and the reason they're talking about the economy as being a problem, what we asked people who said they're worse off than a year ago um, financially, and basically it's inflation. People will say the cost of living is just too high. Now you have a small number of people who say something like taxes or Biden administration policies, but that's a generally small number. Most people say, you know, it's 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 the cost of li living, cost of food specifically was mentioned frequently as a concern for people. Um, so so these economic uh, feelings are are still persuasive, pervasive, but they're not as common as they were even uh, a year or so ago. So again, getting back to this. Are there glimmers of optimism? Um, you know, there are fewer people who are talking about the economy as a problem than, say, in September, October of 2022 at the time of the last midterm election. And so, you know, their like attitudes may may be changing um, as they get generally more positive, but I still wouldn't characterize them as positive. Mm. I, you know, it's not just your poll, but uh, several that I've seen, almost every one that I've seen this question or a similar question being asked, Americans point to inflation as right there at the top. Now, you know, if you look at the numbers that uh, the government puts out, the economic numbers, it says that we are in a strong economy. Inflation has moderated, but prices aren't at what they were before the pandemic. Wages are up over the rate of inflation. Unemployment is way down. The economy is growing at a healthy clip. Stock market is second re setting records, and interest rates may come down this year. But yet, Pennsylvanians and Americans still have a perception that we are in a bad economy. And I mean, that's what they call it, a bad economy. Why? Well, I think the it takes time for um, things to catch up, the economic reality uh, to catch up with people's feelings about the way things are going. I mean, let's face it, the Census Bureau released numbers in December for 2022, and median household income in the state was down from the prior year, Scott. So, I mean, I think there is some substantive reality to the feelings that many voters had. Um, but as we said, those those feelings are starting to change. And I think in part because there's been so much good economic, positive economic news We'll see if it continues. But the question that you ask specifically, and you ask this uh, every poll that you do, uh, yeah. that you ask about personal experiences and the situations that the voters are off. You know, basically, the, the, the question is specifically, are you worse off than you were a year ago? What do you expect a year from now? And it's still... You know, the highest percentage of of uh, those who were surveyed say they were worse off than a year ago, right? Yeah, that's true, but that's coming down. Um, but here's the key indicator, I think. The question about how you're going to be next year has certainly changed. The number of people who say they expect to be worse off dropped nearly 10 points from our last poll in October. So now when you look at the numbers, 
almost two thirds of Pennsylvanians say they expect to be better off or about the same next year financially as they are now. And I think that's the roots of the optimism. Hmm. You know, it, it really one one of the things that always I, I ask myself when I you know see the results of the poll, and you know, you've used the word feelings a couple times, and you know, perception is another big word here. Is yep. that uh, people base their opinions on what they are experiencing themselves, not necessarily what those numbers are in that are in the news every day, right? Uh, I, uh, undoubtedly. Look, who can make sense of what economists are telling us? I mean, you know, they don't, as the old saying goes, economists have predicted nine of the last three recessions, right? I mean, uh, it, that stuff is confusing. And people take their cues from the things that they see around them. And the reality is that in tw- at least in 2022, median household income went down in this state, according to the Census Bureau. That's a lived reality. And if it's harder to pay for food, um, you feel that and you, you know, gas prices are coming down, but they're still above what they were, say, after the pandemic. Right. And I think that's part of this, too, Scott. You know, we're still adjusting, adjusting to a post pandemic world. And I still I think there's there's still some adjustments that we're going through. You know what? What's the new normal look like? And, um, you know, so all of that is part of it. And, and I'm you know, people are paying attention to every bit of economic news and every every forecast, they're living their lives. Hmm. So let's turn to some other issues other than the economy, Burwood. Uh, recreational marijuana, almost two-thirds support making it legal, right? Yeah, we see a, a lot of folks um, supporting that, and that has been the case for some time. Um, attitudes towards that, a majority of citizens started believing that should be legal um, probably about a decade ago, and right now we see you know, around 60 percent who say that it should be. Mm. And and that has been going up. I mean, when did it really make the turn? Do you know? Well, uh, acceptance of medical marijuana was first. um, And then as other states began to legalize it, it became more sort of, well, why not here? Um, So, You know, it's been it's been at the state level as the states have started to legalize marijuana that more people here have said we should do it, too. An issue that uh, shows 90 percent of uh, Pennsylvanians now it's divided between uh, in all cases and in certain circumstances. But Pennsylvanians overwhelmingly support keeping abortion legal with some caveats. Right. Yeah. They do. And and that's been true. Again, you know, there are these triggering events that change attitudes, right? The drive attitude change. The Dobbs decision, you know, prior to that, it was probably about 15, 16 percent, 20 percent, maybe in a given poll that might have said abortion should always be illegal. Um, that's down to around 10 percent now. Um, and that's where it's pretty much stayed since then. It's very rare when you have an issue that ninety uh, percent they don't totally agree. You, it's broken down by fifty percent and forty percent on in all circumstances and in certain circumstances. But it's rare when you have that kind of agreement on an issue, isn't it? Well, if you listen to politicians, it might seem that way. <laughs> but there are a lot of things a lot of people agree on, Scott. I mean, when we ask questions about government reform. Um, most people favor 
changing the way we run our elections, the way we draw our congressional districts. I mean, there, I could give you a long list of things that lots of people agree on. We just don't talk about them. You know, that's a that's a great point, though. But, I mean, you even hear some members of Congress say that. The, you know, the stories we read, we hear about, we, we hear about the partisanship, we hear about the divide, we hear about the issues that uh, uh, there is a, a lot of disagreement. And the loudest voices come from those. But, you know, you, you'll often hear members of Congress say there are a lot more issues that we agree on that the public doesn't know. That's correct. And, um, you know, if you if you dive into any kind of survey work, you'll see that there are general perceptions of things that a majority of citizens agree on. Um, now, the, the, the way that you translate those into policy, of course, that's contentious. I'm not suggesting it's not. But but this is this goes back to the conversation we had earlier, Scott. Why are people frustrated with politicians? Mm -hmm. Because people understand that there are many things that they and their fellow uh, citizens agree on, and they just don't get fixed, and they don't understand why. All right, so or maybe they do understand why, but they don't like the answer. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Is there an issue that historically, when you are doing your poll, that most people agree on that doesn't translate into policy? A minimum wage increase, mm. right? I think 60% of people would favor a $15 minimum wage last time we checked. Where's that going? Mm. And right? I mean, I, I, how many people favor having an independent redistricting commission? Large portions, right? Um, I, I, if, if you gave me enough time, I could spend 30 minutes giving you a list of stuff that um, 50 to, 55 to 65% of people are more agree on. You know, I, that's it. Sounds like a column, Burwood, or <laughs> uh, a whole poll in itself. Yes, yes. Perhaps <laughs> I'll do that. Scott. All right. So, you know, you ask a series of unique questions about how Pennsylvania voters would describe different people, and this goes back to the polarization. And this is, I just, I, I found that fascinating because most people agree just what we were talking about and how they view other people, except on just a few issues, like religion, for example. But describe why you put that series of questions and how would you describe those questions? So um, those are, are basically what we would call values questions. And so we were trying to assess people's um, sort of feelings about universalism, you know, principles that um, like, you know, Every, every person in the world should be treated equally. That's sort of a universalist principle versus maybe tradition. Um, so something like religious belief is important to me. And so we were just, frankly, the reason I want to ask it is to ask questions about values is because I'm trying to figure out how people are going to vote and what they want in terms of certain issues and how those underlying values may drive those things. I think the key for me to this election is the 20% of, Ameri of, of Pennsylvanians who say they do not like Joe Biden and do not like Donald Trump. They have an unfavorable opinion of both candidates. How do we figure out what they're going to do? Well, if I can understand their values, maybe I can have a sense of where they'll end up at the end of the election. Um, 
And that's a, that is a column that'll be coming. <laughs> so there was an opportunity to uh, promote a little bit. But, you know, you asked that question uh, also about the candidates. I mean, the, the series of questions that I just mentioned, the value questions. But then you also ask in reference or comparing where the candidates stand, the presidential candidates stand, with some of those issues. I mean, here's one that, uh, I mean, just to summarize— Biden does better with best understanding concerns of ordinary Americans, closest to the views on abortion and same-sex marriage, character and good judgment needed to be a good president, is most honest and trustworthy. Voters think Trump is better equipped to handle the economy, would be a better commander-in-chief, and isn't too old to serve another term, even though he's only three years uh, younger than, than Joe Biden. Okay, so... What does or what do those uh, answers, those results say to you? Well, um, in terms of the issue space, and this gets back to where we started talking about the economy. In terms of the issue space, Scott, I think uh, Republicans and Donald Trump currently have an advantage. Now, if the optimism that we mentioned earlier um, continues, that gap may change. On the other hand, we're seeing... And in fact, I should just say that those numbers have stayed pretty consistent since our last poll on those issues. What has started to change are the issues of character and honesty. Um, And Joe Biden continues to grow his advantage there against Donald Trump. I have to believe some of these legal issues. um, And in fact, having a contested primary where his Republican opponent is now attacking him on some of these attributes has given President Biden advantage. And so, you know, when I step back and look at this poll in its entirety and think about, all right, if people become a little more optimistic about the economy, that shrinks that issue advantage um, or the issue deficit for President Biden. At the same time, if the character advantages grow, this may mean that he's better positioned than what his uh, job approval rating would suggest. I mean, frankly, his job approval rating is so bad, it's hard to believe that he's even with Donald Trump in this race. I mean, he is just not, uh, not his performance is not rated highly at all by Pennsylvania voters. Mm. And age is another issue where there's a disparity. As I said, Trump is just three years younger. But let's face it, Trump, well, Trump has much it, more energy on uh, when he's out in, in public than what Joe Biden does. Yeah, as the old song goes, anger is an energy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would add that 43% of voters to this poll and to our October poll said they're both too old to serve another term. And this gets to the point about 20% of voters, one in five, just not wild about either candidate. Um, and that's why we asked the presidential feelings questions, which we wouldn't, haven't talked about, you know, would be hopeful or worried. Would you be calm or agitated? Would you be happy or sad if Biden or Trump were elected? And what's interesting for those questions is that um, President Trump, former President Trump, elicits more emotional responses. Responses are, uh, for President Biden are more kind of in the middle. Um, and, and so, you know, we were just trying to document that sort of the emotional content of their, of their campaigns and their candidacies. 
Well, in about the 90 seconds we have left, I mean, one of the things that we're kind of leading up, we buried the lead if you talk about uh, who's leading in the polls. We're still 10 months away from the November election, but uh, what did uh, the polls show as far as who voters support, who they would vote for right now? Well, it's it's a dead heat, realistically. Um, and so when you look at the numbers, it's like 43%, 42% for, for Trump and Biden. Um, if you add in third-party candidates, Biden has a slight advantage, but still within the margin of error. What this election is going to boil down to, Scott, is which third-party candidates and how many of them are on the ballot, because that's going to determine what we talked about earlier, where some of those 20 percent of voters who don't like either candidate end up, whether they stay home, you know, what alternatives do they have? Right now, Biden seems to have an advantage with the candidates we tested, but you know, it's going to depend on which ones actually make it to the ballot. Yeah, Robert Kennedy Jr. polling at, uh, what, 7 percent, 8 percent? Yeah, Yeah. 8%, which is significant when you think about a third-party candidate, Jill Stein, at about 2%. Burwood Yost from Franklin Marshall College, want to thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks, Scott. Good to talk to you, as always.